straight from our faces to you. My name is Father Peter Musk. My name is Scott Powell. And you're listening to The Word on the Hill. With the Lanky Guys. Dude, is that how straightforward we're going to do it this time? Like, I don't even know. Hello. My name is Father Peter. And my name is Scott Powell. And we are in a heavy metal band called the Lanky Guys. Doesn't sound like heavy metal. It's 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 like eighties it really, rocker. It was metal like a band. hair band. Yours sounded like a hair band from the eighties. Oh shoot! Are you in a hair band on the side? Do I, I was. Do I need to know about this? When I went to I went to <clears throat> Franciscan University of Steubenville, and I was in a household that was actually named after an eighties hair band. No. <laughs> yeah. What was it called? The Soldiers Under Command. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story dude so here totally the, true story. we're gonna start to shout out to that household to right the there soldiers man to the soldiers what's up if you know your history or not <laughs> did we do the introduction did we say this is the word on the hill no we're the lanky guys no well we are we are, i mean we're the heavy, we're the heavy metal band formerly known as the lanky guys the lanky guys does not sound like a heavy metal band <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. The Lanky Guys! The Lanky Guys. Dude, somebody told me, we were sitting around the table the other day talking about what animals we were. Nice. And um, somebody was like, dude, I know what you are. Uh-oh. You're a meerkat. Why? Dude. Because, Explain. Because, dude, all you have to do is look up on Google. You could even Google it I'm right now, it right man. now. It's the beauty of the if, interwebs. If you look up the meerkat... Um, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, they are <laughs> truly one of the lankier animals that you've ever seen. So I actually think that you're a meerkat <laughs> as well. Too. Everybody look up meerkat on Google <laughs> right now. And the first image is a couple oh, of meerkats standing those there. Those two guys yeah, on the rock. <laughs> exactly. I think that we need to, ch- let's change our Facebook profile picture to the meerkat. Yep, it's done. I've got, yep, the, the two, the two. Yeah. Oh, it's perfect. So... Uh, that was so. That's that's. The, Have you ever seen that that video? It's like the the British like BBC video of the voiceovers of the animals. Dude, it's been years. Man. I know. There's some meerkats in there, right? Those mm. are the ones going, Ellen, 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 Ellen. Right? <laughs> they are, dude. <laughs> nice memory. It's a really fun video. Well, we are in the basement today. Um, <laughs> yes, thankful, we are. Thankful that we're in the basement because, dude, it is scorching. It is ridiculously hot. And we're doing an event tonight, so I'm dressed nicely in slacks and a button-down stinking shirt. With, and, and like, like you are every day. I, so I'll <laughs> thank <stop whining>. you. <laughs> I know, except for- imagine, Except yours is black. Just put on a tie, and then you get to feel uh, a little bit of what this is like all the time. And you wonder why priests like take the tab out of their <laughs> shirt. I don't which, wonder. Which when I was in seminary, dude, I judged all Did priests. Did that seem scandalous? Oh my gosh, I judged totally. them in my heart. I was like, dude, these priests are lame. No, no, totally. And now I'm just lucky if I put clerics <laughs> on because I'm like, I'm like, dude, Aww. it's hot and like it's black. And I'm in Colorado. Yeah. yeah. And it just is really hot today. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I can see that by the the gigantic six inch yellow pit stains in your. I do shirt. not. Do yeah. I really? No, because I'm speaking to that. <laughs> I'm just. I just wanted to get at you a little Jerk. bit. I know. All right, we should get to this. We have any shout outs this week? We have a couple shout outs. I want to give a shout out, and so do you, to our good friend Jen Lozier, who is probably going to be listening to this from Seattle, Washington, because she just moved from Colorado and is starting a new chapter in her life so we're very sad to see jen lozier go she's leaving on friday morning she'll she'll listen to this as she's driving in the car probably because thursday night is um mike berbiglia what now it's a comedy show 
<laughs> There's a dude. He makes funny things happen. Mike Brabiglia. What? Yeah, just watch the movie Sleepwalk with me, produced by Ira Glass. Oh, yeah, nice. I will. All right, and we have, so this is exciting. This is really exciting. We have a question from the internet, an email question, oh which my. I decided not to tell you about so I could spring it on you <sighs> and see how you do. Okay. So this is this comes from Kelia Doyle, who apparently is our second fan from Marquette. I'm assuming oh. Marquette, Michigan. Yes, Michigan. Because- well, Marquette University. Her yeah. email address is Marquette. Edu. Yeah, Angie Harder is number one. Oh, Angie Harder's number one. So yep. maybe you know Angie. All right. So Kelia says uh, she was wondering if we could help her out with the 3 a.m. theological question. We all know the 3 a.m. theology questions. Got it. So she says, and this is a good question. So let's see. Let's see where you roll on this, Father. Okay. I know that Michael is an archangel. So mm-hmm. say Michael the archangel. Talk to me. I know that Michael is an archangel, but I have also seen him referred to as a saint. So basically, what's the deal? So saints, you know, she suggests she was under the impression that saints are anyone. Basically in heaven, but but people, namely. So can an angel be a saint and an angel at the same time? What's the deal? So like Saint Saint Michael, Saint the Archangel, Saint Raphael, you uh, say Gabriel. Yep. Um. Whoa, dude, that's a really three, I know. great three AM question. Somebody's like, they're like sitting there and they're like, dude, dude, is Michael a saint or an archangel? Well. I mean, to start to identify this, yeah. you have to ask the question, does an angel have personhood? Which an angel does have personhood because they are a distinct right. individual. Although they are the, a species unto themselves. Right. Um, so th- there's nobody else. I mean, angel is designated by mission. Um, uh, th- that's really... Uh, the, so they have particular... And so the archangels specifically have particularly large missions. That's why they're called archangels. Yeah. Is because... Like an archbishop. Like or an archdeacon, right? Yes, arch. Yes, are there archdeacons? Yeah, there are. Really? Well, I mean, they were used to be. I haven't heard of an archdeacon. No. We we joking. Archdeacon call, Marty. Should we call archdeacon? Should we call Deacon Marty archdeacon? I Marty? think we should call him archdeacon from awesome. now on. I, even though it's probably theologically. Oh, and I'm sure it's completely unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, I don't know, man. I we're doing stump the theolo- theologian tonight, and I already got stumped, dude. I feel bad. Well, I'm just wondering. I mean. The simple answer is yes, an angel can be a saint and an archangel because this one is. But, but I don't know what the specific difference uh, of uh, what well, right. is So can other angels be saints? Yeah, I'm sure they could. That's the that's the thing. It's a good question. Um, I should have I should have researched this question before. I <laughs> so you don't know the answer. I really like, assumed that you would know. I really thought this was the kind of thing that you just tend to know. You know this stuff. Well, I mean, this so I was like, ah, I won't look it up. Well, this is the thing that, that you have is you have saints and angels. Are living together totally anarchy. Total anarchy. Cats and dogs. You know yeah, Ghostbusters, good call. dude. This is it. Imagine a Twinkie the size <laughs> of Manhattan. Mm. That's the amount of psychic energy that's happening in this room right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, Kimia, is that what her name is? Kelia. Kelia. Um, Kelia, uh, we have to understand specifically what the difference between an angel and a saint is, and why a saint can be designated as both. Um, yeah. Because I don't know, and I am going to have to look that up before our, our Stump the Theologians tonight. Yeah, sorry, Kelia. I should have had an answer for you. I'm scouring. Yeah. I'll, uh, I feel bad now. I really thought that you would know the answer to that. I know. Because you're good with stuff like that. I know. That's the kind of thing that you... Yeah, I'm just trying to understand. No, I'm just trying to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to make you. you feel bad. Sorry, man. Now you're trying to make me feel bad. No, now I'm, I'm not, not trying to make you feel uh, bad. What? What are you trying to do? I don't know. Okay. 
Dude, um, I have no shout outs. Can you believe None? that? None? Just think of somebody. Oh, I want to also shout out. Here's my third shout out. To the focus team, specifically Josh and Calvin, who just, I saw them this morning. They just subscribed oh. this morning in my presence. Oh. So they were very excited Dove. to start listening to the Lanky guys. Dove Fodor. Dove. Um, but sure, what's her, what's Dove's last name? She's the oh. one who turned Leslie Amick on to us. So that's oh. like, yeah, so that's really exciting. That so is I exciting. Just, I, I just figure I would give her the love. Absolutely. Um, give her the love. So you guys are awesome. Keep cool. it real. Okay, dude, let's get in. Let's, let's do it. In. Let's do it. 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 I have to say a mass for old people. I mean, okay, sorry. What, one other note on this. Sorry, I should have answered this better. The word saint is simply the Greek word hagios, right? Yep. All saint means is, is holy ones. Oh, that's really okay. all it means. So holy angel. So that's why St. Paul can refer to the church as the saints. So, you know, in his letter to the saints at Thessalonica or whatever it is. Mm. But we have the capital letter S in, as in capital saints. So you can see why, if the word just means the holy ones, yeah, that makes sense. But why is it capital S saint? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But that is what the word saint means. Well, saint. So he's a, he's a capital holy angel. A sa- saint is somebody who's designated as being in heaven. Right, but is that does That's that have to be saint. a person? Well, oh, but angels have personhood. They do, but it's, so so that's the thing is that you can have a specific designation of yeah. a person in heaven yeah. that is a saint uh, because they have personhood, right. but, and they are distinguished upon top of that, upon top of that. Um, that's good. That they are an angel as well as a saint. Saint. Okay, here's my question. So they're, so they're double trouble good. Here's one other question: Do we know of any other saints? Or I'm sorry, any other angels who are named? Um, the dark ones we do, but any not non dark non demonic non, angels, non um non arc non archangel we do not have names for them. So well, okay, so I mean the only angels that we know of names for we apply the word saint to. Mm-hmm. So could it be then using deductive reasoning Deduct. that any other saints that were na- any other angels that are named are also saints because of their personhood and their being in heaven, dude? Because they're the only saint they're the only angels that have names. So they're the only angels that have the word saint applied to them, but they're also the only named ones. So that if there were other named angels, presumably they would be saints. Yes, they would be is saints. Is that a fair guess? That is an excellent guess. I think that we have deduced it. I think we did it. And I'm, I'm, so we just worked through it together. We worked through it. It's our Havarim here. It's the Havarim. It's the Havarim. So welcome to the Havarim. And if you disagree with us... Shove it. No, <laughs> send us an email. No, dude, give us your thoughts too if you have some. Dude, this is the thing. Is Do I have to edit that? Um... Maybe. It's a joke. It's just a joke. This is the thing: is that we, our our first heavy metal album should be "Welcome to the Havarim, dude. Welcome to the Havarim. Welcome to the Havarim. Welcome to the jungle, Matt Steve Miller man. All right. Well, let's go for it. Yeah, dude. I hope you have something to say today. I will figure. We'll find out in a minute. All right. So the first reading is coming from the Book of Wisdom, chapter nine. Very wise of them. That's thirteen through eighteen. B. Uh, the spawn, the spawn, the, the spawn, the spawn, psalm, spawn, psalm is Ooh, coming 90. from Psalm ninety. Psalm ninety, a bunch of verses. Uh, <laughs> the second reading is from Philemon which 9. I bet half the people who look at this abbreviation are gonna be like, "What the dude?" Heck it's is a that? reading from Pokemon, dude. Philemon or Philemon, depending on how you pronounce. It. I had a professor um, who was trained in the British system who called it, called it Philemon. Dude, that that sounds like a good drink title. Yeah. Uh, Philemon, I would take please. a Philemon. I'll take a double, two fingers of Philemon. Um, I like calling him Philemon. That is what I will call him. So Philemon, uh, Philemon is so short. 
<laughs> How short is <laughs> Thank it? Thank you. There's not even chapters in Philemon. It's just verses. Dude, that's for so there's real. only one chapter. So it's Philemon verse 9 through 10 and 12 through 17. And then finally, we have the Gospel of Luke. 14, chapter 25, 30. 14. 14. Very good. 25, 43. All right. So we're going to try. Uh, we're going to do our best to tie these together. <laughs> and I'm a little nervous. Dude, I am too. Because I, I have thoughts on all of them individually. I have I have thoughts on on the gospel. That's all I got. But like, because the other ones, I don't know, even know what's happening. I almost wish here. we could do them backwards, but I don't think we Dude, should. Dude, let's do it today. No, 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 because they're not going to get it that way in mass. We but should no. do it the way that the church is going to present it to them. Don't you think? Um, or I don't know, maybe not. Dude, okay, let's try it. Let's. I don't let's know. Do I don't know. No, I don't know. You want to switch it up today? I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm scared. Let's just try it once. All right. See what happens. I'm not ready for this. Me All neither. Right. Gospel of Luke. Are oh we doing my this? Gosh. Yeah, we're doing it. Are we going backwards? Yeah. So the way that the church thinks about the readings at Mass is literally like climbing a flight of stairs up to the altar. So we start with the first reading. Then you take a, the actual stepping procedure is kind of the psalm that we pray. Yep. And then we step up into the New Covenant, the New Testament reading. And then we always sing the Alleluia, which is it, itself a psalm in between the stepping up into the gospel, and then we're in the first step. So we're taking steps up the ladder. Then we can't do it. We can't start. So now we're the, stepping, we're just stepping back down, which is possible. Let's just let's just do it like we always do. <laughs> okay. No, so you, you do, I you, get freaked out. See, I'm a C. I don't like to, see, you asked yeah, how I could be a Yeah, you're super process-oriented, but I, like, I'm freaked down. Freaked out, man. Every once in a while, I pray the office just however I want. I'll take, like, No, you can't do Oh, yeah, dude. I'll see, just, this like, is do it. readings I can't handle first, that. or I'll do some intercessions. I can't take it. I can't handle that. I know. Let's just say mass backwards next I, week. What do you say to that? <laughs> you can't do it, can you? Because it wouldn't be valid. Thank you, Lord, for the Eucharist that we have received or are about to receive. Go in the peace of Christ. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, so now that we've got, right. we've Book finished. Of <laughs> we what? might have to edit that whole thing out. The whole thing? I don't know. Let's listen to it again. Uh, we'll see. Okay. Yeah, maybe. It's annoying. I'm annoyed <laughs> by us already. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I don't mean to annoy you. No, no, I'm not annoyed by you. I'm annoyed by us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so are we doing wisdom or are we doing it backwards? Yeah, yeah, we're doing wisdom. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Positive? Uh-huh. If we edited this, we just had a long discussion over whether we should do the readings backwards this week or not. <laughs> if we didn't edit it, then you already know that. And you're totally like, they're, they're checked out. What dude. is wrong with them? It's really hot. That's the issue. It's hot. It's hot, I, man. I, I'm sweating out of my armpits. This is not what I asked for. Did you say I'm not a toucan? <laughs> Yeah. I'm getting slapped at me all of a sudden. Yeah. Okay, dude. So. Okay, so wisdom. The wisdom of Solomon. Um, wisdom of Solomon. We just had a reading from the wisdom about three weeks ago, I think. Um, wisdom is, uh, background of wisdom, it's um, it's debated. Some versions of the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Seventy books. Seventy books. Uh, no, no, 70 elders who compiled it. There's not 70 books in the Septuagint. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Dude, I'm slap happy. Uh, dude. You knew that, and I, you are just toying with me. I am. I was like, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, anyway, wisdom of, so in some translations of the Septuagint, it, it, it said it's wisdom of, in the memory of Solomon, or by his friends, or something. So we don't know if Solomon wrote this or not. It's up in the air. Solomon, remember, was known for being wise. He wrote the Proverbs, certainly. 
Um, this was, and it, it, it's so interesting. It's and he actually, shanked everything, okay? And then he eventually, freaked out. Eventually. eventually, that's what Ecclesiastes was about. We talked oh, yeah. about that. Uh-huh. Um, wisdom is interesting, though, because it's the, the date that it was composed. Nobody's totally sure. It's sometime between, this is actually what I read about scholarly consensus. It's literally written sometime in between the 2nd century BC to the 1st century AD. Are you kidding? So somewhere in that 300 years is when you get it. Actually, the Meritorian Canon, you've heard of the Meritorian Canon, it's the first um, formal compilation of books of the New Testament. The Meritorian Canon puts it in the New Testament. It suggests it was written in the ADs. Anyway, I don't know. I don't Um, know. Whoever wrote it, though, does come off pretty ADD. Well, it it is a book all about wisdom. It's a book all about, yeah, I got it. I get Thanks. it. <laughs> it's a book about idolatry and it's a book about creation. How how create we talked about this, didn't we? Yeah. It actually talks all about the sacramentality, small s. The sacramentality of creation, how God is known through creation, how the, there's a danger in worship of creation. Yeah. But how if we get past worshiping creation, we God can be known through creation. It's, it's a really beautiful book. And I think that you've taken this first reading already to heart because just by our long conversation about deliberating on whether we should start <laughs> from the front or back, it says who can yeah. conceive what the Lord intends for the deliberations of mortals, also known as the lanky guys, are timid <laughs> and unsure are our plans. I'm just That's going to be our tagline on iTunes. <laughs> the deliberations of Lankies are timid and unsure of our plans. <laughs> That'll be good. That is good. So let it be written. So let it be done. For the corruptible body burdens the soul, and mm. the earthen shelter weighs down the mind that has mm. many concerns. Mm. And, scarce, <laughs> okay. and scarce do we guess the things on earth, and what is within our grasp we find difficulty. So what's the, what's the theme here? Everything's hard. Everything's hard. Yeah, that, that's that's true. Um, what I'm getting from this, let, let's finish it and let's see if it comes out. Um, but when things are in heaven, who can search them out? Or whoever knew your counsel except that you had given wisdom you sent your and sent your Holy Spirit from on high, and thus were the paths of the earth made straight. I think what I'm seeing in this is the, is the, the, the um, what do you call it? The uh, thing. Um, the the thing, the juxtaposition. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, dude, you were making monkey movements. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the juxtaposition between between the ways of mankind and the ways of God. Yep. So we have concerns. We're we're burdened down by the by our our worries and our shelters and you know the things of earth, and we find great difficulty with all this stuff. But then there are the plans of God, the plans of heaven, right? So that juxtaposition that's set up in the first reading. This is why I wanted to do them backwards, kind of, because yeah. that juxtaposition that's set up in the first reading is what's going to set us up for actually all of the rest of the readings. For, yeah, because Luke does the, a, a double work on this Luke is doing a big one. time biggie biggie on this. Biggie biggie double. Biggie 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 biggie. I got some stuff to show you in Luke. I'm excited. Dude, well, you already showed me so much about my own deliberations yeah. in Luke, yeah, even see. though I was a little bit timid before you mentioned that. Uh, uh, I'm lanky. Oh. oh, okay, Psalm 90. Okay, so is that is that fair enough? Is that a fair enough setting of the stage? Totally. Okay. So Psalm 90, Psalm 90 is actually interesting. It's believed to be uh, the only psalm or one of the only psalms. I think the only psalm written by Moses. I don't know if that's true or not, but there is a tradition that states it's the only psalm that's wow. actually written in the hand of Moses, at least traditionally understood. Whether that's true or not, I think it's interesting. Dude, I think that's cool, man. I, I like I like Moses' poetry. Moshe. He's a good one. Yeah, he is but a good But if one. you think... <laughs> What was there a joke in there? I'm no, not saying no. you have that joke face. <laughs> I'll put a picture online about Father Peter's joke face. <laughs> <laughs> um, but think about this. So yeah, just 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 play with this. Imagine that this is Moses writing this. 
saying, in every age, O Lord, you have been our refuge. Imagine it's Moses wandering in the wilderness, perhaps, having, you know, set his people free from captivity, seen the mighty works of God, seen his people fall tremendously to the sin of the golden calf, watching the punishment of wandering in the wilderness after that, and then saying, in every age, O Lord, you have been our refuge. You turn men back to dust, saying, return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are as yesterday, now that it's past. Again, that line, I think, is interesting. A thousand years in your sight are as yesterday. There's one now that it's past in the watch of the night. They're in the middle of wandering for 40 years around the wilderness, and he has the the ability to see outside of his situation and outside of himself and of their worldly concerns to write a line, if if he did write this, well, in the well, midst of wandering for 40 years, to say a thousand years are like one to you. Plus, you would really want refuge if you've yes. spent 40 years in the desert. P.S. Like, in every age, oh Lord. Yeah. It's, he's actually coming to the stark realization that the whole world is the wilderness and that yes. in fact the only safety that we have regardless if you're in the wilderness or in the promised land is in the refuge yep. of the lord that's it that's it but it's doing the same thing in the first reading it's juxtaposing the ways of god the concerns of yep. i'm sorry the ways of the world the concerns of us with the ways of god and god god will protect us god will care for us it's 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 yeah. it's, it's again it's helping to set the stage but it's it's uh um repeat not repeating it's rhyming in a certain sense with the first reading right yep Anything? Um, I mean, I, I just... It's beautiful. Uh, it really is beautiful. Yeah, it's just like <clears throat> uh, the openness that the Lord, I mean, that Moses has to the Lord in the, in this. I mean, reading it from that perspective is actually really beautiful. Yeah. Isn't it? It is. Cool. Philemon. Dude, I All think right. it's Pokemon, dude. Pokemon. I'm just going to call Poke, it... Pokemon. Pokemon. I, I bet you someplace, somewhere, somebody doesn't put their glasses on and they're like, a reading from Pokemon. No, they don't. And the little kids are going to be like, he. No, but like, they don't even know what Pokemon actually, is. Actually, anymore. actually, Devin's showing how old we are. Devin Spear is going to be like stoked because, dude, that dude is like loves Pokemon. <laughs> He's going to be stoked if somebody mispronounces it. Uh-huh. Or even he just probably likes Philemon. Just because, I bet he. I bet he does. Or, or Philemon. Philemon! <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Dude, that's like. I'm reading from the book of Philemon. It's like piercing my ears. Sorry. I bet you it's. Did I top do, out on do the, the same thing? No, the, I didn't even come children. close to topping out. Okay. All right, let's talk about Philemon. Verses 9, 10, 12, 17. Crash course on Philemon, which is I told somebody that this morning and they didn't believe me. I think it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. I love Philemon. It's just because it's short, and you no, like it's to, not because you're a perfectionist, and you like to study everything. But it's you can teach, you can talk about Philemon in one quick hit. You can get the whole stinking thing. Oh, sweet! And Philemon, it's super interesting because it's one of those books. You're like, how does this have any right to be in the Bible? So here's here's the crash course on Philemon. <laughs> here's here's your. There's three main characters in the book of Philemon. Okay. There is Philemon himself. And Philemon is the addressee. So remember, most of Paul's letters are written to whole church communities. So yes. the letter to the Romans and to the Thessalonians and, you know, the Philippians. This is just one guy whose name is Philemon, who is a house church leader. He's one of the leaders. He's probably the, the owner of the house where they meet on yeah. Sundays yeah. in the city of Colossae. Hmm. So this letter is actually directly connected to the letter of Col- the Colossians, oh. which is interesting. So he's a house church leader in this, what? Nothing. Oh, how interesting. <laughs> Good. Okay. <laughs> it is interesting, and I'll it, tell you it why. It is. Not. I'm digging. Whatever. Okay. So he's a house church leader. So he's a big wig. And if he's a house church leader, that means he owns a house that's big enough to hold the church, which means he's wealthy. He's probably noble. He's a, he's a big deal. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's character number one. It's Philemon himself. Second character is this character is this guy Onesimus. 
And he shows up in the third line here. What, you had something to say about Onesimus? No, no, I just like mm. his name, dude. You know what it means? No. It means literally useful. Which is funny because the one verse that's cut out. Paul plays on that. Yeah. Yeah, which makes me mad. Anger. Should be in there. I know. It's not that. I'm not that angry. But his name means Onesimus. And, uh, and it, his name means useful. Which verse 11 says, formerly he was useless to you, right. but now he is He's indeed useful, useful to you and me. It's totally a pun. It is. When we talked about the, the genealogy of puns uh-huh. last week. Paul was the pun master. Dude, he was. And dude, he, Onesimus, useful one. I know. That's what it means. Dude, I love that. All right. So that's character number two. What is Onesimus? Onesimus, this is where it gets interesting. Onesimus is the runaway slave of Philemon. Oh. So Philemon, remember in the Roman Empire. So slavery, by the way, is a little bit different in antiquity, in in, in, in Greco-Roman world, than, than in our U.S. memory. Uh, it, it's, it's, not a, uh, it's not an ethnic thing. Necessarily, I mean anybody. Anybody could find themselves in slavery. It's, a doctor, a lawyer. It's you know. not the African slave trade that we no, think of, we, no. we, which is so brutal. No, slavery in the ancient world had to do with debt. So if you got yourself in tremendous debt for whatever reason, you would often have to sell yourself into slavery. So doctors, lawyers, teachers would could become a slave if they became indebted for whatever reason, right? So anyway, so this guy Philemon has a slave named Onesimus. Onesimus, if you read through the whole book, you get the sense that Onesimus has stolen something from mm-hmm. Philemon because Paul actually says he'll repay whatever he took. He'll, he'll repay the debt at one point. So imagine the story. So Onesimus has stolen something from Philemon. Philemon, in the Roman law, a slave owner had the legal right for to punish a slave who had, who had done something to him according to the crime. So if he'd stolen something, he had the legal right to cut off his hands. And that was done. If he ran away, he had the legal right to cut off his feet, although that wouldn't be a very useful slave. Nope. It was like the Monty Python scene where he cuts off his arms <laughs> yeah, and his legs. It's just I'll a bite your ankles wound. off. So, um, so he's, run away. <laughs> he's run away. Now, here's the twist. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You got Philemon, this wealthy guy. Onesimus, his runaway slave, who he's probably pretty ticked at. Pretty ticked he's, at. he's pretty ticked <laughs> And now you have Paul. Now, here's where the story gets really interesting. Paul has met Onesimus in prison. In one of Paul's imprisonments, he meets Onesimus who has been thrown in prison for some other reason, for whatever reason. <laughs> Dude, this guy, I like him. Isn't this great? Yeah. So he meets in prison. And at one point, so Paul says this at one point, Onesimus was baptized by Paul. Paul became Onesimus's father, basically, in the oh, faith. Oh, so he preaches I the gospel. And what, what Paul's saying now. It's not just that it's not just that it was like a like a kind of a an adopted thing where it's no. like, you're my daddy. No, I don't think so. I think he baptized him, which made him his spiritual father, literally. Yeah, I got it. So he is now baptized Onesimus, who oh. he preached the gospel to in prison. And now Paul is going to send Onesimus back to Philemon. And he's probably sending Onesimus back with this letter in his hand, in which Paul is going to weigh all of his influence, basically to save Onesimus's life. Now, here's the twist. Here's the other twist in the story. Paul is also the father in faith of Philemon. He's also baptized him. So now Paul has two spiritual children. One is a runaway slave. One is an angry slave owner. And now Paul is weighing all of his influence to send Onesimus back to Philemon and basically beg Philemon, forgive this man, I'll repay the debt, whatever needs to be done, I'll take care of it, 
And he says this at one point. He's like, I'll, I'll forgive the, you know, I'll pay back the debt. Needless to say that you actually owe me your very soul and eternity. But that's fine. <laughs> I'll give you back the, you know, the 20 bucks that you stole. Whatever. <laughs> not to mention your soul that I've saved. But um, I want uh, you to take him back not as a slave anymore, but as a brother in Christ. So Paul, this is one of the most profound letters ever written because Paul, in this subtle political kind of nuanced way, is actually trying to break apart the barriers of slavery and society and status and everything else and unite all things in Jesus Christ. Mm. And it, it's a really beautiful letter. I love it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's so beautiful. And that's why he says, perhaps this is why he was taken from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but yeah. more than a slave, as a brother, beloved especially to me, but even more so to you, and, a man, and in, as a man in the Lord. Yeah. Um, one of the other things about this, so this letter, by the way, it's written to Philemon. It's also written, this is what I think is great about this letter. It's written to Philemon, but it's actually addressed to, number one, to Philemon, but to be read at all to the entire church, to the entire congregation. <laughs> so it's to Philemon, but, oh, by the way, everybody else is going to hear this too, just to make sure. <laughs> this is an open letter. So it's an open letter, so you get a little bit of accountability here. Wow. And you're left kind of wondering, okay, well, what happened? This is where it's cool. If you go to the letter of Colossians then, remember that's the same city yeah. where this is happening? In Colossians, which is probably written a couple years later, I think it's, a, it's a, I don't remember, I'd have to look it up, but it's at the tail end of Colossians. I think it's at the very end. Remember where Paul usually gives his hello and goodbyes to people, like yeah. send my greetings to blah, blah, blah. Yes, yes. One of the greetings that he sends in the letter of the Colossians is to Onesimus, who is now a friend and a brother in the faith. He's a prominent member of the church in Colossae all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, verse 9. Do you see it? It says, I have sent um, uh, Tychicus. Tychicus. I will tell you about all about my affairs. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are that, and we may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, the faithful and beloved brother who is one of yourselves, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. So In another letter, you get the answer. Yeah. The, well, Paul actually asked Philemon at one point, I actually would like you to send him back to me. Because he's a great coworker with me. So apparently Philemon does, and now he's bringing another letter back to Colossae. Dude, that's awesome. There is actually, in the tradition, there is a tradition around this time period of a bishop named Onesimus in the region of Colossae. Oh. I don't know, you know, we don't know for sure exactly what happened, but if it's possible that this guy became a bishop in the early church, I think that kind of tells you everything you need to know about the nature of the early church that a runaway criminal slave could actually be forgiven, be brought back as a brother, and become a bishop of that church. I think that's profound, isn't it? Yeah, dude, that test touched my heart really deep. It's nuts. Anyway, that's why I love Philemon. Dude, you just bust me up. Read Philemon, you guys, because it doesn't take you very long. It's a few chapters. It's a few <laughs> I verses. Mean, literally, I think they can do it in, a, you can in one it. minute's time. You know, it's longer than that. But it's really fun. All right, so there you have it. And again, what's what's he doing? So if that is what's happening... What you have is Paul actively trying to convince his church to forsake the ways of the world and their worldly concerns and their worldly views of status and everything else Dude, for the divine ways, for the heavenly ways, which is what wisdom set you it, up for. Inverting it. He is. And it's, so uh, yeah. Dude, I, I'm seeing the pretty, it's a pretty thorough connection it between is, isn't these it? bad boys. I'm That's like, cool. man, I, I asked if you had something to say and you wasn't lying to I me. I got it. So the gospel, that brings us to the gospel of Luke. Let your face shine upon your servant. Where the heck are you? And teach me your law. Where are you? 
are you? I'm the Hallelujah verse. You said it was a stairway. You're right. You're right. You took the step. If you stick a, if you take a step in in inconsiderate capacity, then you'll die. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Well, you're going to die anyway. Okay, yeah. Don't worry that. All right. So Luke 14. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and he addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Boom. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks. I hope you feel loved, lifted, and encouraged. That's a tough one. Dude, this is the thing is that... um, Jesus is just going directly after the greatest uh, uh, things that people put against the first commandment. Right. This is this is the thing is unless you hate your father and mother, he he's drawing a hyperbole. He's yeah. like saying you yeah. you can't put this stuff in front of me. Right. I mean, if you think compared that, to me, this he's is not telling nothing. you to not to hate your mom and dad. No. He's saying comparatively, this is how great the if you put your mom and dad in front of me. Yes. Just because you don't want to offend them by not going to Sunday mass, yeah. then you're gonna. This is jacked up. Yeah, you have totally. to actually say no. There totally. is something greater than that relationship. Totally, absolutely. I want my mommy. But that's a different way of looking at it than a worldly way of looking at it. Yeah, he's he's inverting it in a certain sense. But then he goes on. This is where it gets really interesting. I think, and this is where the historical context is really key. Yes. Um, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We've heard that before. Which of you? Now, here's where it gets weird. <laughs> Babel. Do you have thoughts about this? Oh, Babel is in there, but there's more. So, um, which of you wishing to construct a tower does not first sit down to calculate the cost and see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlooker should laugh at him and say, this one began, a wor- began oh. to build but did not have the resources to finish. Oh, dude, it's the cross. It's directly related. He says, don't take up the cross in building the tower. Yeah. And he's actually s- surmounting the tower with the onlookers mocking him, saying, you didn't have enough to finish. Yeah. It's a, that's a big part of it. Dude, And that that's insane. But uh, to talk about inverting what the yes. reality of what we think it's going to look like to follow God, the health and wealth, like yeah. it's totally inverting it and saying, totally. no. There's fruitfulness in taking up your cross. Yes. And the, the one who is going to provide for you is really going to provide for you. Yeah. Even when it looks absolutely that desperate. Yes. So he sets you up for that. Hopefully in hindsight you can see this when looking at the cross. But then he actually puts his money where his mouth is. And Did, he, he takes it a step further. Are, are you well, being Socratic on me? Am I unknowingly be getting a Socratic method here? I don't think so. Maybe. Okay, that's good. Maybe I am too. Did I ask you something? <laughs> no. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. But so look at what he does next. Now, this is where it gets a little bit interesting. Well, it's all been interesting. I <laughs> um, or what king marching into battle would not first sit down and decide whether with 10,000 troops he can successfully oppose another king advancing upon him with 20,000 troops? Now, hold on one sec. We talked about this last week. I did ask you a Socratic question last week. Okay. But it stumped you on. What is everyone in Jesus' time in Jeru- around Jerusalem and Judea, what are they all doing? What are they all planning for? Revolution. Yeah. They want to go fight against Rome. And their little guy in Rome is huge. Right. And what does Jesus keep saying? That's not going to work. Don't do it. And now he gives you a little parable here. Which king goes into battle with 10,000 troops and doesn't have to sit down and think, am I going to defeat with 10,000 troops this nation with 20,000 troops? Now, granted, there are times in the Old Testament where the little guy, Israel, is victorious because God provides for the battle. Gideon. But there's other times when he just says, don't do it. That's just stupid. So Jesus is saying, now, follow this, though. 
He's saying, so what, 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 just think about this for a second. There's a huge, giant monster, Rome, that you think with your scrap together, you know, weapons and everything, you're going to defeat? Think about it. Be the king who considers this. But what does he say? Um, but if not, while he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. Peace terms is fine. That's one translation. But what the Greek literally says, if you put it together in the Greek construct, it says he will send a delegation to ask for the things that make for peace. What does that have to do with anything? He will ask for the things that make for peace. Do you know where else Jesus says that line? Dude, I don't know, man. You're blowing my you're blowing You my recognize brain it, though. Does it sound familiar? It's okay. No. So when he, in the Gospel of Luke... Later on, I remember when he's approaching Jerusalem yes. and he gets to the crest of the hill and he looks at Jerusalem and he weeps over the city Pray for the peace and he says, Jerusalem. oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, would that you knew the things that make for peace. Oh, remember that? Yes. You only see it if you get the correct translation. Yes. So would that you knew the things that make for peace. What are the things that make for peace? Well, he tells you what they are right here. If the king looks at this battle and sees it's not going to happen, he's going to send out and ask for the things that make for peace. Later on, when he gets to Jerusalem and he weeps over the city, he says, would that you knew the things that make for peace. Why is he weeping over the city? Because he knows they're about to go to this battle and they're going to get slaughtered. And a lot of lives are going to be lost. And a lot of people are going to follow the wrong Messiah. And they're going to look for the wrong type of kingdom. Mm. Would that they knew the things that make for peace. But what they're doing is following worldly, political, militaristic might. They want what they think that they need. But they're not looking at things that happen. They're not looking at the spiritual realities. They're not understanding what the cross is going to mean when people look at him there on the cross and laugh at him and mock, at him, mock him. They're not seeing those realities. And that's why when he gets to Jerusalem a couple chapters later, he weeps because he realizes they're not going to do this. Man, Isn't that cool? That's that's phenomenal. But it, it also helps us to understand what the 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 nature of the peace that Jesus Christ is yes. leading out is that he is actually the delegation. Yeah. Who's being sent out, who's who's actually calculated what exactly this is going to take. Yes. And, and but but it's not according to the calculations of the world. Yes. It's according to the calculations of the love of the Father. And in the world, you're going to have to suffer. Because Rome is still going to beat you up for a while. And Rome is going to beat up the Christian church for a while until we convert them, which is going to happen very soon after this. Inexplicably, not through military power, not through following false messiahs. Yeah. You want to overthrow the empire, but through the love of Christians actually giving of themselves till the end, which actually converted the most paganistic, hedonistic society on earth. But it didn't happen by taking them to battle. They didn't know the things that make for peace until later on. But that also should remind us that it's still going to hurt. We're still going to get oppressed. We're still going to get beat up from time to time. And the job of the Christian is not to defeat our enemies. It's to convert our enemies with love. Well, and that, and that's the thing that <clears throat> we're super tempted to. The, the same idolatry that they're tempted to right. back then, we're, we're tempted to now. Right. You see it happen in campus ministry. It's like yeah. uh, they call it the Catholic bubble. You mm -hmm. know, you just want to hang out with the safe relationships that— uh, Aren't gonna aren't really gonna kind of stir things rather than going and actually engaging in things that seem like right. they might take you apart. You might not have the right answer. You might look right. stupid. Right. You uh, you know I was walking around in the tailgate and some dude got up in my face and did some said some stuff that was just as inappropriate as I could, wow. and I didn't have the most charitable response to it. Uh -oh. <laughs> but I'm but I'm like I got what I realized is that I get to carry the cross of my brother priests. Yeah. 
and um, I, I did. It wasn't horrible. Yeah. But um, but like I get to carry the cross of my brother priests who have screwed up, and to yeah. allow that to mm. hurt, and like that's the thing. It's yeah. like it, there's something beautiful, like taking up the cross of of the weirdness in the church in the last years since the since the council. Like yeah. we take that cross up, and not to eschew it, and not to say right. oh place blame or anything, but to just say no. These are these. This is my family, right. and and that's why Jesus is attacking family. He's like right. no you, you, mother and father. It's like that's the kind of relationship that I want to have with you. Where it's like if you are bound to me, then this is going to be you're going to see this from a heavenly light and not just from a purely earthly light. Because if you do, then you're going to be idolatrous. You're right. going to, you're going to think that, uh, you know, military savvy is going to win, that family is going to protect you. You know, architecture is going to be this great thing. Like all, all this stuff. When in reality, actually we're called to take some of it to ourselves, Yes. As we can. And that's the thing is that the Lord gives strength and the father will protect you is yes. it says in the Psalms as if I would leave you broken before them, crushed before them. Yes. No, it does. That's not true. I'm not going to leave you crushed before them. Yeah, exactly. Sucker. Sucker. Sometimes the Lord says that to me. Sucker. Well, there you go. D- that was short today. No. No? <laughs> not really. Are you calling me short? Yeah, I think you called yourself short. Oh, I think I did. Don't tell yourself short. You're a huge slouch. <laughs> <laughs> We love you guys. Thanks for joining us today for this. Dude, That you totally illumined my mind on Pokemon. It was just like, <laughs> oh, dude, this just blew, my, blew me up. Oh, jeez. It was awesome. So I think I might take a new name. I think I might take Onesimus. Do it. You're useful to us. Yes. Um, send us your questions over email. We will struggle through answering it just like we did with the one today. And but send us your stuff. And and of course we prefer um you know the questions that are related to scripture. Oh yeah. Those are our preference because that's our specialty. Sometimes we have to think through the angel stuff and like the the yeah. different things where we're not quite as uh, adept or savvy even though we'll find out more we'll about do how, it, man. how how little savvy we are tonight. We'll uh, do what we have to do. Yeah, tonight we're doing this thing called stump the theologians up at CEO where we will be taking whatever questions people throw at us. And if I, I if I steal anything, they're going to cut a hand off, and then I really right. would be a stumped theologian. Ah, ah. good one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say come out, but it will be over by the time you listen to this. So pray for us in retrospect. Keep it real. Send us an email link, you guys, at thomascenter.org. Find us on Facebook. Tweet um, us on Twitter. Vine us on Vine. Um, Pinter- pin us on Pinterest. Pin us on Pinterest. Link us on LinkedIn. Dig us on dig. Um, space us on MySpace. <laughs> Nobody uses MySpace anymore, do they? They, they do. Do they? No. And they're, they're really unfortunate people. They can customize their page to have blinking things in the background. <laughs> That's enough for me. Sold. All right, you guys. We'll see you next week. Hasta la vista. Baby. Bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.